WHHFM Indianapolis. It's Indie Speaks. Your life matters. Hosted by Cameron Riddle. Good morning, Indianapolis. 704 here in the Circle City. I'm Cameron Ruddle, and happy Easter 2016 to you. This morning on the show, we'll be talking with Judson Phillips with the Ted Cruz campaign. The election here in Indiana is on the way. We'll talk about it and why Senator Ted Cruz would like your vote here in Indiana. We'll talk about that coming up. Plus, among other controversies that we've heard of right here in the state of Indiana from House Bill uh, 1337 to House Bill 1019. Things we've been talking about these past two months on this show. Uh, the police body cam bill is now law in Indiana. Indiana is now one of the strictest places to get an abortion. All of those laws signed in by Governor Mike Pence this past week. We're going to talk about that with ND10 and their response to House Bill 1019. We've we'll got that coming up. And Operation Safe Surrender. It's exactly what it sounds like. We're going to talk about that around 740. Uh, stay tuned. we got all that coming up this morning. But first, let's get a check of this morning's headlines. Developing this morning, thousands of IPL residents are waking up in the dark this morning. And of course, on all mornings, Easter. Power outages appear to be affecting nearly 5,000 people on Indianapolis's northeast side. IPL is working to fix the problem, and as I look at the outage map right now, those outages are falling rapidly this morning. Indiana State Police are investigating a deadly crash on Interstate 65. The crash happened this morning shortly before 4 a.m. near the South Split. ISP says the accident was a single car accident. One person was in that car at the time. They later died. All three lanes of southbound I-65 were closed for a couple of hours, but since have reopened. It was a big night for Senator and presidential candidate Bernie Sanders last night. Sanders is the projected winner in Alaska, Washington, and Hawaii primaries this weekend. Despite the wins last night, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton is still way ahead in the delegate count and therefore still winning by a 1,691 to 949 margin. Indiana's primary is right around the corner on May 3rd. The deadline to register to vote is Monday, April 4th. And in the forecast, a 90% chance of thunderstorms on this Easter. We'll touch a high of 68 degrees right now. It is 42 degrees in Indianapolis. And on the phone with me this morning, live on the Indy Speaks line, is Judson Phillips. He is the founder of Tea Party Nation, one of the largest Tea Party groups in the nation, a lawyer, conservative com- columnist, excuse me, and a political activist. He joins me on the phone right now this morning. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Cameron. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for waking up early with us this morning. Uh, our election, uh, the May primary, is coming up, and uh, you're working on behalf of the Ted Cruz campaign to help make sure that he wins the Hoosier State. Absolutely. Why is it that uh, Ted Cruz uh, should get the vote of Hoosiers? Well, Ted Cruz is the conservative candidate in the race. And the Republican side, you're really down to two, two choices. you got Donald Trump. Uh, the career liberal, uh, the guy who is too afraid to debate Ted Cruz. Uh, I mean, this guy, if this guy can't debate Ted Cruz, can't handle Megyn Kelly on Fox News, how's he going to deal with Vladimir Putin or ISIS? Uh, but you know, Ted Cruz offers a clear vision 
for the country that's fundamentally different from the disaster we've seen for the last eight years under Barack Obama. Uh, and you, know, you have a choice. You can have uh, Donald Trump, who's essentially, uh, who, like I said, is a career liberal, who basically, until he decided he wanted to run for president, supported the same policies that Hillary Clinton supported. So uh, it's a pretty clear choice between the two. Why is uh, Ted Cruz not beating Donald Trump at this point in the race? Well, actually, it uh, depends on which poll you're, you're uh, looking at. But uh, up until now, uh, Ted Cruz has been one of 15 candidates. It's now down to one-on-one. Uh, there's something worth noting about Donald Trump, though. Donald Trump is a media creation. There has never been a presidential campaign where a candidate has gotten as much of as much free press as Donald Trump has. If you look at all the uh, the media attention that is given to candidates, Donald Trump up until recently has gotten eighty nine percent of it. Prior to the Florida primary, when Marco Rubio got out, Donald Trump got sixty four times the coverage the nearest candidate got. Now think about that for a second. You've got a guy who gets sixty four times the coverage of the next guy. I mean, that is just unbelievable. That's unheard of. And that's why Donald Trump is doing so well, because he is getting quite literally billions of dollars in free media that no other candidate has gotten. I won't agree. I won't disagree with you on that one. On the other hand, uh, Ted Cruz, is he the definition of an ultra conservative? Uh, well, <laughs> You know, uh, you mentioned at the beginning, I'm a lawyer, and what they teach you day one in law school is define your terms. And one man's ultra-conservative is another man's uh, middle of the road. So so it's, uh, uh, I, I don't know if you would, uh, Ted Cruz is definitely conservative. Ted Cruz is described as a constitutional conservative, meaning his bedrock principles come from the Constitution, the fundamentals that, that founded this country on liberty and justice. So, uh, you know, that may be the best way to answer your question. Is there, uh, we, we are looking right here in Indiana, a lot of controversy over the past two months um, with the bills that our legislature has put through and, uh, and our governor has then signed. Uh, this has happened two years in a row now that there has been national presence of something that's happened in Indiana. Uh, because a lot of people said that the bills that are being proposed are not what the people asked. I've heard Ted Cruz time and time again. Uh, is he there? Is he running for the White House to represent the people or to push his own political agenda like we've seen here locally? Well, Ted Cruz is running to represent the people. Uh, and, you know, by definition, if you win the White House, you, you've won the people. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I'm always leery. I've been around politics well, I got my start uh, putting out yard signs for Richard Nixon in 1972 when I was 13 years old. So I've been around a while. And, uh, you know, uh, this is always the accusation that the other side likes to throw around. Oh, he doesn't represent the people. He only represents the special interests. Well, I, you know, honestly, I think that's a whole lot more true of someone like Hillary Clinton uh, or even Donald Trump, who, who would represent his Wall Street buddies, uh, as opposed to Ted Cruz. Special interest or not, what should a politician put first? Their personal views of what they think the country should do or what they have legitimately heard the people ask him to go do if elected to the White House? All right. Under our scheme of, of, of this country being a constitutional republic, our leaders are our representatives. 
And what they need to do is get out there and tell the people, this is what I believe and this is what I will do. And then the people decide, yes or no, do I want this person to be my representative or not? And uh, Senator Cruz tells people in no uncertain terms what he believes. And he, you know, here's one of the things I like about Senator Cruz. Uh, Senator Cruz has got a track record of what he has done. Not only as Texas senator now for four years, but before that as solicitor general. Uh, and even before that, when he was working in the Bush administration in the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, one of the interesting stories I like to tell people about that time uh, is Senator Cruz handled policy uh, for the Federal Trade Commission. He made policy proposals, and it was up to the Federal Trade Commission to decide to accept them or reject them. FTC at the time was made up of three Republicans and two Democrats. Almost every time Senator Cruz was able to bring the Democrats on board for his policy proposals, many of which we're seeing the benefits of today, including such things as Uber and Airbnb. Lately, with what has gone on on the campaign trail, it has become a war of words about the two candidates' wives. What do you make of that? Uh, honestly, I, th I think it's desperation on the part of Donald Trump. Uh, first of all, wives should be out of it. Their spouses should be out of it unless there's a legitimate reason to bring them in, such as Bill Clinton's escapades. Uh, but here's what happened. Uh, in Utah, a super PAC put out this ad about Melania Trump. And as I think probably everybody knows, she was a model before they got married, and like a lot of models, she did some, uh, shall we say, clothing optional shoots. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, all right. The super PAC is not controlled by the Cruz campaign. In fact, federal law says the campaign cannot coordinate with a super PAC. Mm -hmm. Okay? Donald Trump launched into an attack on Ted Cruz based on the action of an independent group that Senator Cruz has no control over. All right, once that happens, you know, you go after Senator Cruz's wife, which is what uh, Donald Trump did. Uh, he fought back. Uh, you know, if somebody did something like that against my wife, uh, I'd be fighting a real hard inclination to just go beat the crap out of them. Uh, but, you know, I'll say this, Senator Cruz is a better man than I am. But, he, you know, he went back and he's been clear the whole time. He said, wives are not fair games. He said nice things about Melania Trump. Uh, but Donald Trump wants to do everything except debate the issues. As you said, you know, you would go after someone if they attacked your wife, though Donald Trump aimed at the wrong person. Was he right? Uh, was he in the right place to try and defend his wife, at least uh, to some extent? I don't fault him for defending his wife. I fault him for what he did. Uh, because, you know, the photos that uh, that he complained about... They were all over the Internet. Uh, I mean, I've seen them before for months. There's a, a, a GQ uh, Britain republished them a few months ago, and he didn't complain about it then. So it's, it's, it, the outrage is a little bit selective. Yeah, I do not blame any man for protecting his wife. Uh, I, in fact, I would blame a guy who didn't try to protect his wife. But uh, this is a case of selective outrage that he's trying to use for political purposes because you'll notice one-on-one -on -one, he doesn't want to debate Ted Cruz. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all this is going on. Where Where is Donald? Uh, right now, uh, for the last five days, six days, he's not done any public events. He doesn't have any scheduled for another week. Uh, meanwhile, uh, guess what? Wisconsin's about to happen. Indiana's coming up. Uh, Senator Cruz is up in Wisconsin, where, by the way, the polls now show him beating Donald Trump one-on-one. -on -one. All right. Well, I know you got to go, but I got to ask you before we let you go, 
uh, the new controversy is now in Ted Cruz's court uh, with this report that he has up to five mistresses uh, in the nation's capital. <laughs> all right. First of all, I, 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 I almost blew coffee through my nose when I first heard that story. Uh, number one, the National Enquirer is the same magazine that tells us that Bill Clinton hunts aliens in Area 51 and that Hillary Clinton adopted an alien baby, okay? Number two, if you read the article, by the way, it's uh, National Enquirer is published by one of Donald Trump's very close friends, a guy named David, David Pecker. The only guy who's actually quoted in the story is a guy named Roger Stone, uh, a good friend of uh, Ted uh, 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 Donald Trump's, who was a political operative for Donald Trump until earlier this year. Everything else is couched in terms of alleged, purported. They've thrown all the magic words in there to try and avoid a defamation lawsuit. But there's not a single witness, not a single uh, purported mistress or anything else quoted in the article. I'm a lawyer. I'll tell you, that's got, for as far as evidence is concerned, that's absolutely zero. There's nothing there. Uh, I am not a First Amendment lawyer, which is kind of a unique specialty in and of itself. But I'll tell you what, just as a general lawyer, I tend to think Ted Cruz has probably got a really good defamation lawsuit against the Inquirer if he chooses to pursue it. And once the election is over, I hope he sues the living daylights out of the Inquirer. Is Ted Cruz going to win uh, the rest of the states here on out? Uh, the rest of the states, no. A majority of the states, yes. And will he get to 1237, the magic number uh, he needs to uh, become the Republican nominee? Yes, he will. And... This fall, he will destroy the Democrat nominee. All right, Judson Phillips, thank you so much for calling in to our live line this morning. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you, sir, for having me. Glad to have you. We'll be hearing from more of the Ted Cruz campaign, as well as Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, maybe a little John Kasich, and even Bernie Sanders here in the coming weeks. The Indiana primary is the first Tuesday in May. The deadline to get registered to vote in that primary is Monday, April 4th. We'll put the details and the link to do that, to register to vote online on our brand new website, hot963.com. Takes five minutes to register to vote. Get there. We'll be right back. On the other side of this break, I'm Cameron Riddle, and this is Indy Speaks, only on Hot 96.3. This is Congressman Andre Carson, and you're listening to Indie Speaks with my man Cameron Riddle on Hot 96. And good morning, Indianapolis. We are back. This is Indy Speaks. I'm Cameron Riddle. Hot963.com, my brand new website. All kinds of features and the place where you can go back and get all your breaking news and exclusive interviews you hear on this show. We'll complete with the more information that we always promise you. Our new website, fresh, clean, available right now. Hot963.com. This morning in the studio, we now turn our attention to what has been happening locally in Indiana politics over the past two months, three months. Our elected officials at the state house have been hard at work, passing all kinds of laws, like them or not, whether we ask them to do that or not. 
It seems like the bills that people advocate for and push for, they don't sign. And the things that no one has asked them to do, they go and do. As you heard last week here on the show, we talked about House Bill 1337 with the the Indie Feminist. Uh, That is the bill that makes Indiana one of the strictest places to have an abortion in the entire United States of America. This is some stuff that you would typically hear about down in the South, and even this is a little bit of a stretch. Governor Mike Pence signed that bill this past week. Another bill that was signed and that we've talked extensively about here on Indy Speaks and on Access Indy, on Community Connection, on our sister station, is House Bill 1019. That is also known as the Police Body Camera Video. You've heard about it in the newspaper. You've heard about it on TV. All because we as media outlets have been concerned about this bill because it makes it harder for not only the public, but for the media to find out what is happening on police body camera and dash cam videos. Uh, The bill makes it extremely difficult and strict, and under certain conditions, you are able to get the video only if you walk into the city-county building through the left door with a green cat in your arms. Those type of stipulations are what make it difficult uh, for the public and for the media to be able to see police video. Police video has been critical across the nation uh, in cases where we needed to find out what happened between a citizen and law enforcement. That also came true this past spring, nearly a year ago, uh, here in Indianapolis when Mac Long was shot and killed uh, by Indianapolis police. Um, You've heard that name and you've heard that story uh, numerous times throughout the past year. Um, And it was used as an example numerous times of a reason why we need to have body cameras. We'll talk about whether or not that brought closure with Mac Long's wife, Debbie Long. She joins us in the studio. Uh, we'll also have Indy 10, who is accompanying her this morning. We're going to talk about all these topics, including the bill. And now that this is law, what does that mean uh, for the rest of the great state of Indiana, who now um, will not so easily be able to see what is happening on police body camera video? Kyra Harvey and Ethan Evans of Indy 10 and Debbie Long, as I said, the widow of Mac Long, who was shot and killed in a police action shooting with IMPD back in April of 2015, all join me this morning in the studio. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. morning. Um, Ethan, let me start with you. As a member of Indy 10, you have been uh, talking with elected officials, uh, both at the state and uh, local levels, about uh, House Bill 1019. We, uh, here at Hot 96.3, my co-workers, uh, Kim Wells and uh, Tony Lamont and Michael Jones, have all uh, done extensive interviews and coverage about this topic. Um, the Indian Association of Broadcasters raised awareness about it back in January. Um, and despite all of the cries and all of the coverage that was in the newspaper, that was on TV, that was on the radio, House Bill 1019 was signed into law by Governor Mike Pence. What do you make of that? Well, uh, I want to point out that one of the first people to testify about it was Debbie Long last year in the summer session and uh, or summer uh, committee hearings. And uh, this just, to me, an example of the police department and the government seeing uh, an easy solution to a problem that they think might just go away if they just do something about it. And it seemed to be when I met with senators and representatives yesterday, they had their first 
uh, annual town hall meeting with the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus. Mm -hmm. And the general theme of me asking, you know, why did everyone go along with this was it's better than nothing. And I think that was the whole theme throughout the legislative session with this bill because it passed by, it was unanimous. It was 96 to nothing in the House and 50 to nothing in the Senate. And basically they were okay with, you know, getting a few amendments in here and there. The big thing they got uh, that was argued for uh, by all of us, by Debbie, by the Press Association, was uh, to switch the burden of proof in getting a copy from the person requesting it to the police department denying it. Um, yeah. We talked with the uh, legislator that came up with this bill from Hartford City. He's a former uh, police officer and, Mahan? and sheriff. Yes, yeah. Representative Mahan. Uh, we reached out to him numerous times. I believe uh, we did on all of our stations. and We never heard back from him. Uh, personally, we did hear from his staff who said uh, this bill um, helps the police officers. Um, of course, well. it, it also protects the public. <laughs> Because um, they don't have to worry about um, witnesses who don't want to be on camera, on camera, then released to the public. Uh, numerous <laughs> reasons why this bill needed to be passed through. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, um, a lot of us do not have to go through the burden um, and the task of having to see one of your loved ones on video interacting with police. Um, but someone who has is Debbie Long. She's the widow of Matt Long, who, who was shot and killed by IMPD in April 2015. What do you make of this, Bill? I've seen the video. Um, I, I remember when it was released last summer, um, and we worked. Amos and I covered it that day. Um, for you, you could see Mac on the video, and the police, you know how it ended. We all know how it ended. What did seeing the video do for you? Well, I will say um, in a lot of respects that seeing the video actually, um, it helped in a way to where basically I can say that I knew that it existed. Mm -hmm. um, also, I saw enough of the footage that actually proved to me the questions that I was raising to IMPD mm -hmm. um, was adequate because it showed a much more detailed uh, story of what happened to my husband that day versus as to what IMPD said. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, not having that video um, at my request, you know, to be able to look at uh, on my own time leisurely from beginning to end uh, unedited you know um, I think that that hurt a lot more because it did not answer all of the questions and mm -hmm. it did not provide um, closure mm -hmm. uh, it did not provide enough information to show me that the, the story that they actually told was the truth mm -hmm. and I think that that was because I wasn't able to have that video in hand and be able to view it at my leisure mm -hmm. and that was one of the things that um in testifying before the board, that was one thing that I was trying to bring to the public's attention, that um, whenever you have part of a story, 
um, if you have a whole story and you only show parts of that story, that story can go in many different directions if you don't see it entirely from beginning mm -hmm. to end. Mm -hmm. You can edit it. You can uh, change the wording versus what you're actually seeing or hearing, and it'll tell a completely different story. That was the importance of um, asking IMPD for um, the transparency and being able to release that video to the loved one. Um, they argued a question about as to, well, the public what the public needs to see and what the public should not see. And my comment to that in that hearing and still today is when you have a sensitive issue such as a loved one passing away and uh, there is video footage of it um, and it can be shown to the public, I think that the person to be able to make that decision would be the one that's first in line um, uh, in the family to decide, well, is this something that we want to share with the public? Mm -hmm. um, of course, given the, the sensitivity of a lot of the uh, information that's in that footage, I think that no one that has a, a sincere love and care for a loved one that, that's on video is going to actually show the public things that they don't want to see. Mm -hmm. But we definitely want to be able to see enough of the footage so that we can know that IMPD is being transparent in their investigation, in their story, and what they're putting out there that happened to our loved one. And, you know, and that was something that we didn't get in this bill. Was there, uh, have you been able to see the unedited video? No, I haven't. You to have this it. day, I have not been able to see a unedited version of that video. I have not been able to uh, obtain a copy of that video. There's been numerous smoke screens as to why I can and cannot. I've been told on several occasions, oh yes, we, you know, IMP does not have a problem with giving you a copy of that video. And then this is in the public side. But then when I go behind closed doors and in the dark when no one's listening to actually uh, request that copy, then it becomes the smoke screen. I'm talking about a whole line of, you know, well, we do this and do that but nothing actually really happens you know they told me well contact this person write a letter to this person request from this person and and that's how it's kind of been for the past year mm -hmm. and today now i i still don't have it and i'm thinking right now uh talking to you today it probably does no longer exist are body cams beneficial yes they are yes they are um, and I certainly think that we as taxpayers, um, if we're going to be paying money into um, the development of getting these body cameras, I think that we should be able to um, actually see what's going on. And we, it shouldn't be tied up in, in courts, you know, as to when and where we can have a copy of that or be able to mm -hmm. see that or request that. Mm -hmm. Do you think... Um Legislators and, and city councilors, um, elected officials heard what you had to say? I think they heard, but I, to be honest with you and, and, and not to be disrespectful in that regards, I do feel like in the, in the long run it fell on deaf ears. Mm -hmm. I really do. Ethan and Kyra, um, on your end, you have continually, continuously uh, been pushing uh, to continue to raise awareness about House Bill 1019. It's law now. Mm -hmm. What does that do for, for your push? Well, now we have to work twice as hard because the first off, it was so quick. We didn't even have time to 
mm-hmm. prepare for anything. It was just like, up oh, here's a bill, and we're going to pass it. Mm-hmm. Indianapolis, Indiana has a way of not involving the people. Mm-hmm. It's just about them. They're worried about the people up there. They're not worried about us. They don't. They have a good way of not involving us. And what they do is they'll pass these bills, and now. There's nothing we can do. Well, they think there's nothing that we can do about it, but we are. So now we have a petition going. Um, you can go on our Facebook page, uh, Indy 10 People, and we will share that petition. People, we have signatures. People are signing it, and we're going to try to push to get this bill revised or figure out a better solution than just having a bill out there and not, you know, having anybody accountable for their actions. Uh, so much of politics now is is just Democrat or Republican, whether it makes sense or not. Um, you know, it, it's difficult for people to see how any elected official is really out there representing what is best for the people, whether they, you know, agree with it personally or not, no matter the subject. We have an election coming up, um, a presidential election, a uh, the election for Indiana's next governor. Have you talked with um, Mike Pence or uh, Democratic candidate John Gregg about this? Uh, we haven't yet. Um, we have, you know, reached out to representatives and senators and Senator people Taylor. who are running for the Senate, uh, like Dana Black. She's running for uh, House District 88, which is Brian Bosma, the Speaker of the House District. And uh, some other people who are at the Black Legislative Caucus and uh, Representative Hale, she's in my district. And we've reached out to some people. We haven't uh, been able to reach out to the governor or uh, John Gregg. And we we haven't been able to reach the mayor's office either. We sent numerous emails and only one came back answered saying you should come into the office and request a formal visit, which we did and haven't heard back from that yet. Uh, So it's just... You know, to us, we did have a sit down with Senator Taylor. We did a, we had a sit down with Senator Taylor, yeah, Senator Randolph, that, yeah. and talked about this bill. Yeah, and uh, something he did mention uh, was one of the sticking points was not having the third party video access. And he told me yesterday that that is part of the bill. That if the police gain access to someone else's camera or video, then that becomes part of what you can request to get a copy of. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that at the first time, but in my in my view, you know, anyone who was involved in this video or a family member of a victim of a police shooting on video should just have free access to get a copy of that video, regardless of you know going to court or anything. They and have to pay a fine yeah. to get it. And we've seen uh, how uh, whether it's body cam video, dash cam video, or civilian video uh, clears the name of the police it gives the public some um some closure some justification to show that the police were um acting within their means or or, or doing their job properly it's usually uh when the police have not acted in such a way that we have uh, problems getting that video no matter no matter where it is whether it be chicago cincinnati indianapolis new york whatever um Debbie, let me ask you, with the trouble that you had without House Bill 1019 into law, some people are now saying, well, what difference does it make? You couldn't get it before. You're not going to get it now. So what are you upset about? There is 
I guess now uh, there's actually something on paper that says they can give you some trouble and yes. what it is. Mm-hmm. Is that as is that the difference? I think it is. And um, and and actually listening to um, some of the amendments that were actually made on uh, 1019, it's like it like um, she said, it puts us back to the very beginning. Only now. Um, we have these stipulations that we have to fight through mm-hmm. with the same problems. Mm-hmm. So now we're not just fighting the the problem itself, but now we're having to stream through the stipulations of the amendment, saying, "Well, yes, you can, but this is this this is a step that you have to take." Mm-hmm. So now it's tied up in court, mm-hmm. but the end result is the same. We still we still don't have it at our disposal. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, I, I just really believe that the the bill it 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 kind of made the groundwork a little bit harder mm-hmm. I agree uh, with trying to obtain the copy mm-hmm. of it that's, that's what we've said uh, I don't know if anyone has said that before it was easy to get Yes. Um, but now it is just that much more difficult and mm-hmm. they now have a law that yes. backs up that, their action exactly. mm-hmm. um, moving forward what happens I do want to. I do want to add one thing, though. When you were you were talking about one of the things that they um, spoke uh, about in the hearing was that in my testimony, one of the things that brought to light was second party video, mm-hmm. um, which was a bystander. Mm-hmm. And I, my question would be, um, and and I haven't looked this up for myself, or I, and I still don't know where the law is that says that. If I'm an innocent bystander and I'm at the scene of an event and, and it involves the police or others and I take a body camera, I mean, but not body cam, but I take video footage of that event as a bystander um, within my rights, what are my rights? Once I have that video footage in my hand, do I have to release that footage to um IMPD, mm-hmm. because what it's looking like and what I'm seeing that has um, happened in the past is that the public doesn't know what rights they have mm-hmm. when they actually take video footage. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a right? Do you have a right to take that video footage? And once you do, is that still your personal footage? And are you required by law to hand that over to IMPD? Because I think a lot of the footage that have been, that has been shown to the public has been footage that has not been turned over uh, to IMPD and, and the bystander has says, okay, this is mine. I took it and they have gone mm-hmm. with it and, and it's gotten out there. When in fact, the footage that was taken at the shooting of my husband, mm-hmm. uh, the gentleman I have to tell you today, I don't even know his name. Mm-hmm. And they have done a very good job in protecting him um, with keeping him from coming forward. I've been told um, basically that uh, once they took that footage from him, then it then by law it became part of the evidence mm-hmm. uh, in the grand jury hearing. So therefore he was not allowed to share or to talk to anyone outside of that grand jury proceeding, which has kept him uh, and that footage in secret because they tried really hard not to even let me know that that even existed. Mm-hmm. Um, to this day, I have not even seen that footage. So I think it's, I mean, it's really important that we know, you know, what our rights are in these situations, because I think that once 
that video footage is taken and it, it's taken with our own personal cell phone uh, or however we take it, it belongs to us. Well, let me give you an example of something that happened back in December. 25-year-old Christopher Goodlow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent the entire day out there on the uh, east side when he was armed with a knife uh, and then ran toward IMPD officers who then ultimately shot him and he died there on the scene. Um, it was caught on video mm-hmm. by a bystander, someone who just felt like they needed to break out their phone and record what happened. Um, I was out there very early when it happened um, and I was one of the last people to leave. Um, I talked to Chief Height that day. Um, I witnessed the family arriving on the scene to where it happened. I heard that family member when they got out of the car scream. You immediately knew what that was. Um, And I talked to the guy who recorded that video. Um, The reason that video was out there was because he uploaded it to Facebook immediately. Mm -hmm. Then police took his phone. Okay. Um, When police have that video, it's not going to go straight to Facebook. Exactly. so when you watch that video, you got a pretty good idea of what happened. Um, when you heard from then police chief Rick Height, uh, seeing that video, he said helped their investigation um, to see what really happened, and it gave a good good picture of of the officer's actions and and Mr. Goodlow's actions uh, before he was shot. Um, so this is a case where video actually helped um, IMPD, but it was at the hands of a bystander who just decided he should go out and record uh, that video. And I, before, I don't know, halfway through the, the, the day, it had thousands, hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of views online. And for a lot of people, it was case closed for them. There was no mystery with this case. Um, you can still argue whether or not the uh, officers used appropriate force, but there's no secret to what actually happened. And unfortunately for you, uh, you still have that. Yes. Um, we've changed administration, changed mayors, changed chiefs. Um, have you had any conversations with this administration? Absolutely. Really? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm no further along um, from um, a year ago. Um, like I said, the anniversary is coming up April 12th. It was actually Easter Sunday afternoon, mm-hmm. and um, and it's like I really believe it's the big white elephant in the middle of the room that nobody wants to talk about mm-hmm. because IMPD um, is the main person. Involving in this case that has pretty much, as far as I'm concerned, tainted a lot of the information that uh, we need to actually have closure mm-hmm. uh, involving my husband. And, and it, it upsets me because, you know, they talk about secrecy um, and what the public needs to hear and what the public doesn't need to hear. Mm-hmm. My husband's character was absolutely just displayed uh, uh, to the public as though he was another person Mm -hmm. other than the person that I know him to be. Now, I'm not saying that he had a squeaky clean record, but my husband had not had an open case since 2005. Mm -hmm. And when Chief Hyde actually went 
um, to the public uh, and the media and to talk about the case right after 24 hours after it happened. I mean, a lot of the things that went out there, you know, completely destroyed my husband's character mm-hmm. um, that he um, had multiple magazines with multiple rounds and drugs in his pockets and and things that we later on found out were not true but that was put out there to the public then they tell me they thinking they were thinking about the harm that the video footage would do well the video footage wouldn't have wouldn't have displayed him to be any worse of a person than what that uh media mm-hmm. uh encounter with with everybody mm-hmm. right after it happened mm-hmm. you know that made my husband look worse than anything that was on that video footage um so i have to i have to question with this new bill and versus um not having the bill what is transparent what isn't what's what isn't transparent and who are they protecting Mm -hmm. because it didn't protect my husband Mm -hmm. um it didn't help us as a family to have any closure uh and the bill certainly um being in effect now is not helping at all i mean and and they keep using my husband's situation as um an example mm-hmm. you know but it then if it's an example then it should be a learning example we mm-hmm. should be prog- progressing forward to having this situation be beneficial with this bill to where it's going to help people and not continually hinder us mm-hmm. you know and keep us sitting in the same otherwise we're just you know spinning our wheels and taking up a bunch of time and effort and and spending money on something mm-hmm. that's not even going to be beneficial to the public or to anyone involved mm-hmm. so it's the part of the system i guess mm-hmm. you know and it's it's unfortunate it really is it's unfortunate that you know people would i i, I pray every day that no one would ever have to feel what my family has felt um it's been a horrible situation it is a horrible situation it's like being stuck in a time space and not being able to move and you feel like you're being just suffocated because you know i mean there's just certain things that you know um when you've seen like i said part of the footage and all of the questions i wish the public i i wish the public could have seen the parts that i saw of the video uh and and actually heard the voices that were what were in the video when i saw it when they played it for me they took me downtown and they played it for me uh months after it happened before they released parts of it to the media and they actually allowed the media to videotape it from a monitor as they were playing it so in 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 viewing that if if the public could have saw the real picture like you said the 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 um video that was shot of um Goodlow mm-hmm. and how the guy just went out there and just put it out there if they could have saw that video in that form then they would have been able to see what I saw and it would have certainly raised a lot of questions which are the questions that we have had since the very beginning that I and BD have never answered never cared to answer and there was basically nothing we could do about it alright uh, we've got to leave it there for mm-hmm. now uh, that's going to do it for this edition of Indie Speaks on Easter 2016. We will uh, put this interview up on our website at hot963.com, the brand new website for the station. Uh, all of the Indie Speaks exclusives and features for the station are online 24-7. Kyra Harvey, Ethan Evans, and Debbie Long, thank you so much for coming in this morning and um, talking 
about what has been a difficult subject, not just uh, for the city, uh, but for you personally and sharing it uh, with us this morning. I appreciate it. Thank you. (coughs) That is going to do it. Uh, We are back. Same time, same station. Next Sunday morning, beginning live at 7. Until then, I'm Cameron Riddle. I hope you have a great Sunday and a great Easter 2016.